All right. Welcome once again to Political as Heck, a podcast where we discuss Utah politics and policy. I'm Corey Astle, joined by Utah State Senator Todd Weiler. What's up, Todd? Hey, Corey. Not too much. Very good. It looks like uh, you're in space. Well, yeah. Just needed a new background. All right. So last week we talked about how the Biden administration has redefined Title IX to force states and school districts to participate in this radical gender identity agenda for school children. And, uh, you know, the Biden Agriculture Department has declared that if schools don't comply, the federal government will refuse funding for poor students to receive free or reduced school lunch. We talked about that last week. And we talked about how wild it is that Biden is so committed to forcing schools to teach this religious gender fluidity doctrine that he's even willing to hold one of his most favored programs. That's the SNAP program. Hold it hostage to blackmail the schools. Well, this past week. Utah Governor Spencer Cox entered the fray with a letter to President Biden. In the letter, he calls on the president to pull back the proposed rules and asks him to let states come up with their own answers. I mean, as we've discussed on, uh, on, the, on prior podcasts, Governor Cox certainly has been something of a champion for this demographic, transgender youth. Uh, you and I have had conversations about this and disagreed at times, but I think I think we can all agree that Governor Cox has a record of being an ally for the cause. And yet even he's pushing back. So I think this, uh, so he, he, well, so let me say this. He's pushing back saying that the policy would make compromise more difficult and much less likely. And he calls out the absurdity of using an unrelated program like school lunch for poor kids as blackmail to push, push this stuff. So I want to say I am pleasantly surprised that Governor Cox engaged on this issue as we've talked about a few times, usually when he weighs in on controversial social issues, he's not necessarily taking the, the more conservative position. But, you know, in this case, I think he pushes back from the pragmatic right, which is where he wants to be. And I say I'd say he even did it in a way that preserves his nuanced position for and for what he's trying to achieve. I think he threaded the needle and did a good job. So while at the same time, you know, he was able to keep his nuanced position. He also stood firm for the position that I think is held overwhelmingly by his constituents. But Todd, what's your reaction? Well, I, I agree with you. I think that this is a clash of um, LGBT issues with states' rights. And I think on this particular issue, he's choosing the states' rights because this is clearly um, the Biden administration overreaching. So the uh, Title IX um, has been was enacted by Congress in 1972, and if you're not good at math, that was 50 years ago. <laughs> and so, for 40, um, with with a little blip in the Obama administration is the exception. For 49 years, the um, Office for Civil Rights has said, "Yeah, this does not apply to you know uh, transgender issues or um, really LGBT issues. That's not what the." And then on a dime last year, the Biden administration switched and said, yeah, this is all about transgender issues. And so um, I spent, and, and I, I wouldn't recommend this to anybody, Corey, if, especially you, but I spent over a half an hour this morning looking at the tweets responding to the governor's- <laughs> um, Always uh, a bad choice. Sending out his um, his letter, which again, I think was very, you know, whether you love or hate Governor Cox, he's pretty good at sitting, uh, at writing an articulate letter uh, defining his position. And about 80% of the tweets were accusing him, get this, accusing him of wanting 
to withhold lunches from LGBT kids. <laughs> so people have misconstrued this legislation. If you're opposed to it, you don't want LGBT kids to have their school lunch. So I think it's important that we let our listeners know what is happening here is Joe Biden is saying we will no longer fund free and reduced school lunches for poor kids unless the school uh, at changes their policy to adopt our radical woke LGBT agenda. So it's the Biden administration, not Governor Cox, who is threatening to withhold lunches, not from LGBT kids or just from LGBT, but from every kid who's getting a free or reduced school lunch. So somehow the Democrats have twisted that is into if you oppose it, you want to withhold lunches um, anyway. Uh, but yeah, I, I think he got this one right. Well, well, well said, and and, and again, bravo to uh, to Senator or so to Governor Cox. But I think the point that you're making too is that like it just it just highlights the fact that this is bizarre and absurd that that the Democrat you'd have a Democratic president threatening to withhold his own favored program if you don't do what he tells you to do on this radical agenda. Yeah, it is wild. Yeah. Let me just say, I won't be surprised if we eventually get to where the Biden administration is. But again, rather than just going through the administrative process or the congressional process, they're jumping to the finish line and saying anybody that opposes us is a bigot and wants to discriminate against gay people. This is blatant federal overreach. It's uh, blatant federal government changing the rules, not in the middle of the game, but 50 years into the game. And then any, everybody that's LGBT activists is saying, well, why, why do you want discrimination? Well, nobody's saying they want discrimination. They just want the federal government to stay within its lane. And, and that's something that the Biden administration is not willing to do. All right, good enough. Former Salt Lake City Mayor Rocky Anderson dun, 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 announced that he will seek his old job by challenging current mayor Aaron Mendenhall. Rocky said, I decided that this city is at its absolute worst. It's unsafe. It's filthy. We're not dealing with the homeless in a humane way. All we do is move one encampment from one place to another and to another. And when he was talking about the Mendenhall administration, he said, they don't care about the hygiene. They don't care about the people who live or visit our city where we have these problems. It's been going on for years and we've seen zero progress. The mayor ought to be leading the charge, and the mayor, this mayor and staff are holding photo op press conferences. <laughs> so, Todd, I, I mean, obviously, we would put Rocky Anderson in the Hall of Fame of the worst public officials in Utah history, but he has a point here, though, doesn't he? Yeah, so he's not wrong about the homeless problem. I, I don't know that, that you can blame all of that on Aaron Mendenhall. Certainly, you can blame some of that on her. But remember, Rocky Anderson left the Democratic Party uh, about a decade ago because they weren't liberal enough for him. Right. Um, he's run for president now as a, since he's left office as mayor as a, I think, as a third party candidate. Um, he's now in his 70s. And, I'm you know, there's nothing wrong with that. He is slightly younger than Joe Biden. So he's got <laughs> with him. But I, I think Rocky is going to be in for a rude awakening because um, the Utah Democrats, like the National Democrats, they're all about checking the boxes. And so he's an old, white, straight male. Um, yeah, right. th four categories that they don't want to check the box now. If he was a 29-year-old transgender black woman and wanted to run for mayor, he would probably get some traction. But I think he's going to find out very quickly 
that the Democrats in Salt Lake don't want to go back to the 1990s, that they want to go forward. I, I don't think he's going to be the next mayor of Salt Lake. I know, you know, I don't think he's going to be Aaron Mendenhall. Now, Aaron Mendenhall may, may get beaten. Um, you know, Ralph, Beck, Ralph uh, Becker got beaten and um, the Skoopsky got beaten. So so Salt Lake has been voting out their incumbent mayors. But my guess is right now, my guess is, is Mendenhall will get reelected despite the fact that homelessness, um, it, it, the problem's increasing, it's not decreasing. Well, that makes sense. But um, I, uh, just to share a few stats that from KSL, this is great. Public police data shows that violent crime is up 11% from last year, over 38% from the five-year average. Anderson's, uh, Rocky Anderson said, it smells like a human sewer <laughs> as a result of the human excrements left on the street. So anyway, point being, crime is up. Uh, and, uh, and Salt Lake City, as we talked about last week, has the resources to put tampons in men's bathrooms throughout the city. But, um, you know, these... Well, <laughs> so I'm yeah, not rooting we, uh, for Rocky Anderson by any stretch, but... But but listen, crime is up over the last two years nationwide, and I'm not making in it big a, cities. I don't know that it's up in uh, you know it's not up in Lehigh. I wouldn't say. Well, yeah, in big cities, Salt Lake's the biggest city in Utah. But um, why is it up? Well, I mean, Black Lives Matter marches, um, COVID. I, I think those were two big factors, and we have a lot of uh, Democratic prosecutors who don't want to prosecute people and, and we yeah, have Democrat yeah. politicians who want to let everybody out of jail. So, yeah, for sure. That's why uh, San Francisco just voted to oust their district attorney. All right, let's talk a little federal. So earlier this afternoon, today, Sunday, Democrats in the Senate in the U S Senate passed the mansion Schumer so, uh, three quarters of a trillion dollar tax and spend bill. Congress considered the legislation under reconciliation procedures that allowed it to pass with a simple majority in the Senate and, the, and in the House. But after an all night marathon amendment marathon last night, the Democrats passed the bill this afternoon with Vice President Kamala Harris casting the tie breaking vote because it's 50 50. Just to give you a sense, the bill levies three hundred billion dollars in new taxes on businesses, including 50 billion dollar tax aimed directly at small business. It imposes another $300 billion in price controls on prescription drugs that will absolutely reduce the number of medicines coming into market in the future. It distributes that, uh, the, the treasure, the revenue, to Democrats' favored climate change constituencies in the form of tax breaks, breaks and other free money, and uh, it expands Obamacare. So Utah Senator Mike Lee and Senator uh, Mitt Romney both voted no. Thank you, Senator Lee. Thank you, Senator Romney. Governor Cox also joined 21 other Republican governors in releasing a joint statement opposing the bill. The letter said, while denying a recession, Democrats want to raise taxes on businesses and manufacturers, which will force higher costs on the consumers, worsen inflation and aggravate shortages. I say, well said, Governor Cox, thank you for joining the fight against this abominable bill. And I fully expect our four representatives here in Utah to vote against this, uh, the legislation later this week when it comes before the House of Representatives. So bravo to our elected leadership for seeing through the charade. Again, not to put too fine a point on it here, the Democrats have named this the Inflation Reduction Act. That's the Orwellian gaslight of the century because this bill will do nothing for inflation. It'll raise costs for small businesses. It'll reduce the number of life-improving medicines on the market. And it'll flood the economy with billions of dollars for climate-related spending, dubious merit. And yet, and yet, Todd, 
Senate candidate Evan McMullen refuses to say whether he'd vote in favor of the bill. He tweeted, there are important parts of this bill that I support and others I don't. I'd be at the negotiating table carving out a better bill for Utah. So I guess we conclude from that that yes, he would vote for the bill, although he's trying to have it both ways like he did on abortion. But I guess what he's trying to tell us is he would vote yes on the bill as long as he got his own little cornhusker kickback for Utah. Uh, let me just say, this is not the buy me off mealy mouth leadership we need. Todd, give us your thoughts. Well, the uh, inflation reduction, um, if, if you read the, C, uh, the Congressional Budget Office, um, their analysis of the bill, they said that any inflationary reduction relief would would first, if it if it yields its ugly head, it's going to happen in 2027. So we're talking five years <laughs> down the road. If we're still at, you know, nine to 11% inflation at, in five years, I think we'll all be bankrupt. But uh, in any event, um, the in terms of inflation reduction, I used this example this morning on ABC Channel 4, Glenn Mills' show, so I'm going to use it again. Imagine your house is engulfed in flames and the flames are the inflation and Chuck Schumer shows up to help with a squirt gun. That is the uh, the, the effect <laughs> that that this is going to help uh, uh, inflation. Not not today, not tomorrow, but in five years. And so, yeah, I don't think we're going to spend our way out of this inflationary cycle. Um, the Democrats think that the Dobbs decision on Roe versus Wade and this um, really bad bad tax and spend legislation is somehow going to propel them to victory. In November, I, I, I think that they're wrong. And I've been saying for two years, um, thank goodness for Joe Manchin. Now, he caved on this bill. But yeah. I, and everybody says, well, what about uh, Kristen Sinema? I'm like, I don't think she would have the backbone if Manchin wasn't there. And she showed to us this week that she didn't. It took her, took Joe Manchin like a year to cave on this. And he got some things for his state. It took Kristen Sinema like, what, three days? And she, yeah. you know, to her credit, she did get a $14 billion tax cut out of the bill for private equity. But in any event, um, you know, Joe Manchin has gone down one notch in my, in my respect and appreciation, but uh, at least because of him, this is a much smaller um, waste of federal money um, and it's much smaller tax increase than Biden and Bernie and AOC would have liked to have pushed through. So we've got that to be thankful for. Yeah, it's a big disappointment that after a year and a half of basically pushing back on this and stopping it, uh, Manchin changed his mind and said, actually, I do want to spend. But this is about what, 20 percent of, of what was originally proposed. Yeah, so it is uh, significantly smaller, but it's still one of the biggest bills in American history. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think your squirt gun analogy works if you say he had a squirt gun in one hand and some lighter fluid in the other, because <laughs> the spending on on the environmental justice stuff is not going to help. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Senator Cinema, we got an interesting story here. Earlier this week, the Senate voted on judicial no uh, judicial nominee to sit in an the Arizona seat of uh, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. This woman, uh, Rupali Desai, she's a 44 year old uh, former campaign attorney for Democratic Arizona Senator Kirsten Cinema. We're talking about here. Desai has represented Planned Parenthood and the ACLU, uh, among other uh, left wing interest groups, uh, over her career. I think it's safe to say that she's not the sort of nominee that our two Utah senators would usually support. And Senator Lee was a straightforward, easy no. Senator Romney initially voted no, but then something unexpected happened. 
Senator Cinema was seen on on uh, the Senate floor talking to Senator Romney and some other Republican senators. And after she chatted with them, they turned around and each uh, turned around and, and changed their vote from no to yes, including Senator Romney. So now I'm not here to draw any conclusions or, or you know, cast dispersions, but it was a very interesting turn of events because, as you said, Todd, Senator Sinema has objected to several of the big tax proposals in the, in the Democrats uh, tax bill, um, tax and spend bill that passed today, including like um, this international tax uh, referred to as guilty. That's just an absolute abomination. And she did. She was able to get that out. So that's good. And so she's been a force relatively speaking, been a force for good, but she ultimately supported the bill and didn't really stand up. She did stand up for private equity, which, you know, candidly is probably the tax that most people would be like, yeah, go ahead and impose <laughs> that carried interest loop. <laughs> uh, but again, I'm not implying anything, but it sure was interesting. Uh, Todd, did you hear about this? Uh, what do you think? Well, I heard about it from you because I think you sent me the, the video or the tweet. Um, look at, you know, I'm, as a legislator who sits on the floor and talks to my colleagues a lot, um, first of all, I want to point out that this Ninth Circuit liberal judge would have been um, ratified, I think, with with or without Romney's vote, right? Yes, for sure. Wasn't like, so. I, no, you know, wasn't you know, sure. he, he was he was obviously doing a favor for her. I mean, yeah. again, I don't know why, but he was doing yeah. a favor for her. Clearly. Let me just say, when when you're when when I know that my vote is not going to affect the outcome. Um, sometimes you'll do a favor for somebody. I'm not sure that this was a quid pro quo, um, but um, in any event, it probably doesn't offend me as much as it offends you, because I think if his vote was the difference between this judge being seated or not, you would have seen a different result. But it's like, you know, if it was one of it was basically a throwaway vote because she had the votes to be confirmed yeah. with or without him. And I will say, and I've said this before, but I still think we need to get back to a place where um, the Senate advice and consent for federal judges should be more about, is the person qualified? Do they have the academic, do they meet the academic qualifications? You know, are they a citizen of the United States? Are they a resident? If they need to be a resident, do they have a law degree? Rather than is this judge, uh, do I think this judge leans Republican or Democrat? And the, and you may disagree with me on this because you have before, but the problem with that is is presidents change and, and majorities change. And I think if we're all just trying to stack the lower courts with, you know, people from our political flavor, I just don't think that's a winning strategy for our country moving forward. Well, I guess I just think that it's uh, the reality that we live in. And so I wouldn't want to unilaterally. It is the reality we live in. But do do you want every Democrat? I mean, this is where we are. Every Democrat's going to vote against every federal judge nominated by a Republican president. And every Republican's going to vote against every judge nominated by a Democrat president. Is that the world? Is that what we aspire to in Congress? I just think it's a sad commentary. It didn't be a sad commentary. It's not necessarily what I aspire to, but, um, you know. It's tough, and I don't, I don't necessarily want to unilaterally disarm. I should say, though, that uh, I don't, I'm not necessarily offended by what Senator Romney did. I, I don't mean to leave that impression. Yeah. Um, I just found it really interesting. I mean, if she said to him something like, hey, look, I got that nasty um, $350 billion guilty tax out of the bill. Can't you do, do me, you know, a solid on this one? Yeah. You no, know, I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I, that's a fair trade. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. But uh Anyway. I would I would love to know what she said, and my guess is we'll never know. Yeah, so. I guess we'll never know, too. All right, that's all the time we got. Thanks, Thanks Corey. Oh, and right. next week we're probably going to take it off unless there's breaking news because I'm going to be out of town.
Thanks, Corey. Bye-bye.